Hey moms, please keep in mind that I am not a mental health professional. This space is simply for creating conversations. If you are in crisis, please dial 988 for the National Crisis Hotline. If you are in danger, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency department. Now, let's talk. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Sick Moms. I know I say it often, but I'm so very excited about this conversation. We're here with my oldest and dearest friend, Corey, who's uh, who's been through some shit and you're gonna learn a little bit about her uh, today. So um, Corey, uh, well, point blank, she struggled with infertility and uh, doesn't have a happy ending. So we're going to talk about that. Corey, welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? Uh, good. I'm not ready for the the cold, but other than that. Comes with the territory living where we live. Yes, it does. So, all right. So we're just going to get, you know, right into it. How about some background? So um, we've known each other for literally ever, like 26. 20- seven 28 years maybe longer yeah I I mean I just turned 41 and I think we met when I was like 10 or 11 so okay so guys we've known each other for a really really long time we've got <laughs> trouble together we've laughed together we've cried together we've hurt together we've been in joy together uh we've, we've been together we've been together <laughs> a long time yeah so Corey, uh, this is something, you know, I know a lot of your story, but I don't know all of it. Uh, we've never really talked real deep about your infertility. Um, I knew it was an issue. I saw you struggle. I know the culmination and the climax of your journey, but I'd love to hear um, more about what it was really like so other moms on there who are facing infertility can just not feel alone. Um, yeah, it was fucking terrible. (laughs) I mean, really, like it was terrible. So I live in a a very conservative, primarily LDS community and um, people have kids here, like from a very young age, people have many kids and being a young wife, I got married at 25. um, And the other women my in my age group that I interacted with were either new moms or pregnant um every time you know I went to my doctor for he's a gynecologist right he's an OBGYN they that's who handles infertility stuff right so you're seeing babies you're seeing pregnant people all around you you're seeing terrible mothers that treat their children like garbage it's terrible it's um super lonely it's um you feel broken you feel like you're letting everyone down because not only are you not you me not only was I not able to to have a child in a very loving marriage that I was in um and share that bond with my husband that I was very much in love with 
Um, but I wasn't able to provide a niece or nephew, a grandchild, a, a great grandchild. Um, you know, I mean, so it, it was terribly lonely. Yeah. I remember we talked briefly about it, but I was so self-absorbed with my life because I had, you know, my little one and, and four stepchildren, what bonus kids. Right. And I remember, yeah, I remember the things, but I wasn't in it with you. I was so self-absorbed raising, you know, my kids. And I can't imagine that was even easy for you watching me juggle and mess up and screw around and yell and hug. And I mean, honestly, um, I, I didn't personally struggle with the good parents and, and I don't mean perfect. I mean, good. I mean, you cared still to this very moment, all of your children are adults and you still feel this way. Your kids are your kids, no matter how old they are. And you guys were good parents. <clears throat> you stepped up to be their parent. Um, that I didn't struggle with so much. Um, I remember when Vicky found out she was pregnant with Baron and you told me because I was in the midst of all of the fertility bull crap and everybody was so scared. And I felt like a lot of people walked on eggshells for me, which I hate anyway. Um, but I don't, I don't remember ever feeling like you weren't there for me. Um, like I said, I just, I felt lonely a lot and it wasn't because of any one person. It's just kind of a, a lonely experience mm -hmm. to go through because you're the only one feeling the things that you're feeling. And it's really hard to explain to someone how it feels. And um, not just infertility, but pregnancy loss is a very lonely thing to go through. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I'm I'm so very lucky enough not to have experienced that. Um, you know, my son, I, I was told I wouldn't get pregnant because of PCOS and endometriosis. So I wasn't very careful. And I got pregnant. And I have talked to so many women who've gone through infertility issues and, and had to do the, the shots or have never been able to have a baby. And I'm like, holy crap, like I am so stinking lucky. I am so stinking lucky that I got to do that. And I, I really, I took it for granted for a long time and I don't now, like I don't take that for granted. Yeah. I think that's another thing that people don't realize um, infertility and pregnancy loss. It's not about, it's not just about being a mom. Um, I didn't get to experience pregnancy from conception to birth. Right. So that is something that female bodies of so many species. I mean, think about that, you know, all mammals give birth, right? Like that's what we do. That's literally what our bodies are made to do. And so it, it wasn't, and still, still to this very day, I can be around people. Um, and they're talking about what they felt like when they were pregnant and stuff like that. And I never got to feel a baby move inside me. I didn't get to feel that. I, I don't have any idea what that means. I never got to experience the pain of labor and then feel a newborn on my chest. I, you know, I have held babies that I love. Don't get me wrong. Like when my sister's oldest son was born, I was there. I, all three of my sister's kids I held within minutes of them being born, but it's not the same thing. It's not. I am a mom, a hundred percent. I am a mom, but I'm not a mother. And there is a difference. 
there is a difference, you know, having, having bonus kids, you know, people, there's not a difference in your love for them, but there's a difference in the bond because yeah. of that birth experience. Yes. Love for my older children aren't less, but that bond I had with that baby that shot out of my cooter and ended up slimy and messy on my chest, like it was gross and disgusting and beautiful. And it's right. not, it doesn't make you love your bonus kids any less. It just. Well, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think there, there has to be something when that baby and you felt each other's heartbeats. That's the first thing that he, Brady felt was your heartbeat. Like you are the first living being that he ever felt, you know? And so my, I call him my son. I have not referred to Terrence as my stepson ever, ever. I mean, from the moment I met him, he was mine. And because he is, what do they say these days? Neurodivergent um, Asperger's, you know, he's, and not only that, but he's kind of a unique little bugger anyway, even without the, you know, neurodivergence, he's, he's just kind of his own person. But I definitely feel like the reason that I am his mom is because we needed each other. And whether you believe in one God or 50 gods or no gods or whatever, you know, whoever planned it, someone planted that kid in my life and vice versa, because his bio mom is a piece of shit and he needed a real mom and I needed a real kid. And you know, that's just the way it is. So my body wasn't able to create him or carry him, but my soul and my heart was able to raise him. So. And I admire that so much. I mean, I, I walked into four girl that have always been mine same way, but you know, the, the older ones and you didn't, you miss a lot of the firsts, but there are so many firsts you get to it. You get to experience. Yes. But those yep. firsts you do miss. Um, yeah. And I'm the same way. They've been mine since the moment. Well, there was one, there was one distinct day. I can still remember that is very, very, very big that they became mine, not my boyfriend's kids, but suddenly they were my kids, you know? And that was, that was rough. I'll tell you about that story another time. The rest of you guys don't get to know it. Um, <laughs> But I actually yeah, think so, I know the story you're talking about. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> ditto, ditto. Because, you know, not to disparage another human, I, you know, I'm sure that Terrence's mother, whatever, she has her own stuff, whatever, whatever it is, you know, I'm sure that in her way, she does have love for him. And I've always said that. I've always said, you know, I think that she does love him, but I think she loves herself more. And I think she's a narcissist um, and that's coming from the child of a narcissist. So I kind of know how to recognize it. Um, But he is the best. Like I, I have called him my son. Well, let's see. He was three when I met his dad and, you know, he came on our first date. He was there on our first date. You know, it, it, it's always been him. And even to this day, almost 20 years old, Every night he tells me I love you before he goes to bed. He tells me he loves me before he leaves the house. Like he is my kid. So yeah, I had some loss and um, that was super, super difficult. And at the beginning you said it didn't end happy. I had a hysterectomy. So, you know, that was a grief to that I had to deal with, you know, that was a loss I had to deal with, but 
I always had him. So I think that I'm lucky in that because there are people who go through it that never get that. Mm-hmm. They yeah. never actually never. get to feel the love of a child. Yeah. I remember so. when you were having your hysterectomy and we stood in my kitchen and you were just talking about how scared you were because that was the end of hope. Like when you made that decision, you were shutting that door and you cried. I'm going to cry now. <laughs> I, I remember that day so distinctly. You were wearing a red shirt. <laughs> that sounds like me. But yeah, yeah. It, it was, I can't, I mean, I had a hysterectomy and rejoiced. So, I mean, I don't, I, I can't put myself in your shoes. I saw it and I see it, but I sure as hell don't know what it feels like. I, um, the hysterectomy was hard. It was hard, but the hardest thing, um, so I had multiple miscarriages. So, uh, when, who was it? It was Vicki and Pat got married in your backyard and I came down for the wedding. I was pregnant and I lost the baby like three days after that. Um, and it was, it was early, you know, but I was not skinny. And so, um, you couldn't physically see it, you know, but I, I knew, you know, and so I had two miscarriages that were later than, um, I had like three that were within the first couple weeks that they just, they don't really call it a miscarriage. It's just a loss of pregnancy is what they call it. But I had two miscarriages that were, I felt I felt the life inside me, you know, and it was early. It was no showing. It was like within the first six weeks, but it was still very, very difficult. And the second one, um, I could barely get out of bed. I, I have been pretty freaking strong in my life for the most part. I mean, you were there through a lot of trials and shit that, you know, mm-hmm. in our youth that you saw me go through and, um, we saw each other through and I, I'm pretty resilient. I, you know, I'm pretty tough. I have pretty thick skin, but that damn near killed me. And then, um, I got a puppy <laughs> and I swear to God, he saved my life. I, I think he saved my life. And so when he died that it was like going through that loss again. And, and I think that's something that a lot of people, maybe don't realize is that that feeling of loss can be triggered by something later and it kind of brings that all back you know like that feeling of um hopelessness brokenness um it's all my fault there's something wrong with me it's me 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 I think was was the hardest part for me was I just wanted to experience um I wanted to have a baby that had George's eyelashes and, you know, my freckles or, you know what I'm saying? Like I wanted that experience with him because we had a beautiful marriage and that's what people do. They get married, they have kids. That's what they do. You know, that's the normal thing to do. And so it was definitely not easy. I do in that. So I don't, it's not relating, but one of the things with, with my husband and I was Senate and I was, um, you know, we didn't have children together and he had already had his, uh, 
uh, oh my gosh, I just forgot the word for it. Vasectomy. Vasectomy. Thank you. I said this because, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he'd already had a vasectomy and, uh, you know, I, it was also very difficult for me to get pregnant, even though I'd had a little miracle baby, but I do remember that I grieved that we were never going to create a life together. Like we weren't going to create the little being in our yes. We We had beautiful children, yes. so smart, so amazing, so incredible. But I did grieve that, that there was never going to be part of him and part of me put together. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, you know, so George was six years older than me. Um, and once I had my hysterectomy, he told me that he was a little bit relieved because he felt like he was too old to have a baby, but he didn't want to take that away from me, which was super sweet. But also I wanted to punch him a little. Cause I'm like, you should have been honest with me, you jackass. But you know, um, so one of the things that I think a lot of people don't talk about so much like I said it's very lonely going through all of that and having these feelings you know that nobody else can understand um and when you feel like it's your fault so when I had my when I had my second miscarriage the one that I was just talking about that I got a puppy to help me through um I had gone to the doctor that morning and they had confirmed you know that it was a pregnancy loss and helped me through it and because not to get like super graphic, but if anybody's ever had a miscarriage past like the first couple of weeks, it's like the most gnarly period you've ever had in your entire life. And it's like, things are coming out of your body that you're like, what the fuck? And you feel super weird. It like, it feels really weird. It's a weird feeling. Um, And so they helped me through that and stuff, but George was at work and me being who I am as a person, I didn't want to call him. I didn't want him to have to leave work to come to me. Um, And so I went to him after my appointment, drove myself to him. And when he saw my face, he knew and watching him cry over the loss of our baby was one of the hardest things I've ever seen because he's this strong man. Like, you know what I mean? I'm the one who's fallen apart, not him. And he cried. And so I think, holding on to the blame that it's your fault is, is one of the hardest things that I think it's okay to feel that, you know, I think if I could say to, to other moms going through that, it's okay to feel like shit. It's okay to vocalize and say, I feel like shit. I feel like I am broken and there's something wrong with me and it's all my fault. It's okay to say it out loud, but you should say it to someone you love because internalizing it and holding on to it is just going to make the pain that much worse. You got to be able to say it. <laughs> I, and if I you're uncomfortable you. about pregnant people, say it, say, you know what? I'm sorry, but pregnancy makes me feel weird. You're an alien and you're growing a life inside you. It's fucking gross. I don't want to be around you. Make something up. It doesn't matter, but you should definitely be honest about how you feel because holding it inside makes it worse. I think. Yeah. I doubt that's why we have a podcast is for people who want to talk about things. Look at this. What about, this is something that bothers me all the time. Like I didn't really realize how bad it was until I, I have a child that does not ever want to give birth to a baby. Totally open to having kids by adoption does not want anything coming out of her vagina ever. She's made that very clear. She's like, no. I have a very good friend that feels that way yes. as well. <laughs> but, um, you know, she's, she's engaged 
And people will ask, you know, like, when are you going to have kids? Like, well, hold up. They're not even married yet. And what if, I mean, so many people, like, seriously, it's 2023. Women can choose, first of all, to have babies or not have babies. Like, we have that abil- availability now, right? We can choose. Uh- but other than that, that constant barrage for for married people to get, when are the kids coming? When are you going to have a kid? When are you going to give me a grandbaby? You know, that when, 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 when. Uh, it's rude. And people don't realize. Rude. They do not realize they're being rude. But they need to be told. Like, listen, Karen, I've had five miscarriages. Probably not going to have a baby. How's your Wednesday? We're going to love you, jackass. Yeah. yeah. And I think I may have possibly said that to someone at one point. Um, you know, but maybe. Um, but it comes from the people that you love, and that is hard. So you know my mother. Um, so I was having a particularly hard day. Um, I used to call her every day after work on my way home. And this day, I'm pretty sure it was the day I saw a pregnant girl smoking at my at my office. And I was like ready to throttle her because she was like probably seven months pregnant. Like she was in the third trimester. Like, why the fuck are you smoking, you idiot? You know, it's not like it's and this was probably in what, like 2010. So it's not like it was in the 60s when everybody smoked like this was recent, you know. And I was just having a really hard day and I called my mom crying and I was just like, it just sucks that I'm never going to have a baby with George. Like, I'm so sad about it. And she literally said to me, how do you think I feel knowing that you're never going to give me grandkids? Okay, that helps. Thank you for saying that. I, I appreciate that. And I've spent my entire life being told you would make beautiful babies with him. Since I was a kid, my mom would say that because I have dark hair, light eyes, rosy cheeks, you know, snow white. Right. And so she would always tell me how pretty my babies would be. And I do think that has something to do with how hard it was is that I spent my whole life. And I'm sure most people do. We spend our whole lives knowing that someday we're going to give birth. We're going to have babies. That's what we do. That's what we're made for, you know? And then you can't all of a sudden it's like, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. You know, I I, think it's a little different these days, but our generation. Yeah. But for our, yeah, our generation, God, we're so ancient. Um, For our generation, it was a lot more when I, so I, you know, I'm an officiant and I marry couples and I just, ask point blank when I'm when I'm helping them write their ceremony are children in your future because then I know whether or not I can put something in there about having a family sometimes yeah sometimes it's hell no sometimes it's maybe right and then I can gauge you know how you say something about um starting a family right and even then what if they can't yeah. But some people go into marriage thinking, yeah, we're going to have tons of babies. So I I have gotten used to asking, I just ask, are, are children on the table? You know, to a lot of people, you know, someone gets married and I'm not like, when are the babies coming? Like, yeah, kids in your future, you're not feeling it. You want a boxer? 
<laughs> or a few. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think there's anything wrong dogs. with asking people <laughs> if children are in their future, if they want children, or just being respectful, but not the barrage yeah. of when, 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 when. Agreed. You know? I agree. And it could be a tactical you know, way to do it. Yeah. Yes. Our children in your future. You know, we're trying, but we're not sure. How great is that? Yep. You know, yep. I, just... I will say I I feel very fortunate that I had um I, I might not have had the largest support group in the world, but I did have a few people that were really there for me throughout all of that. And one of them was George. My husband was for a sarcastic jackass that, you know, he was pretty awesome. You know, there like I had to have um I never did in vitro literally way too expensive insurance doesn't cover any fertility stuff it's starting to now but when i was going through it nothing was ever covered by insurance um but i remember i had to have a procedure done um where they literally had to go in pull my cervix down because it was too high um and then they had to go in and um release some of the trapped eggs in my ovaries so they literally go in and and you know have you ever had like a biopsy done where they do the hole punch thing yeah mm -hmm. to your ovaries inside you like Ugh. they went in vaginally right so it's super uncomfortable and i george refused to leave he stayed there the whole time um just so i didn't have to be alone you know and so that kind of support and love I think is super important. That's why I said earlier not to keep all your feelings inside because if you're try actively trying to get pregnant, you probably have at least one person who loves you. So um, <laughs> lean on them. It's okay. Like it is okay to say it out loud and to lean on them because they want to be there for you. Don't hold it all to yourself. You know, they're probably struggling too. It's hard for them too. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I keep thinking of friends with Shanondaler Bling and, and Monica Geller and when they tried to have babies and neither of them. Yeah. It was heartbreaking. It really was. And what is that? I just watched a movie the other day. I was just feeling kind of, you know, and my go-to when I feel like shit movie is Empire Records. Um, but I wanted, <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to watch something I'd never seen before. And I, I was like, I need to cry. I need to get this out of me, you know? And so I watched, um, Tim, what is it called? Timothy green, the curious case of Timothy green. And it's Jennifer Garner and they struggle with fertility. And this boy comes to them magically, basically. Oh yeah, okay. I bawled. <laughs> I mean, I bawled, bawled and bawled. And I was like, well, I guess that works to get the tears out. But even so far after, I had my hysterectomy 10 years ago. And even so far after, it's still kind of hard sometimes. Yeah. And I, I don't think it'll ever go away. I think that's always going to be part of it. You know, my my aunt Jema, um, she struggled with fertility as well. And um, with my older sister, she is and my mom both fertile they popped out four kids each you know and like every time anybody went near them they got knocked up so you know yeah, it, it, I know it's like hard that. To be, 
Yeah, it right. It's hard to be in a family of people who are constantly popping out kids and be the one that sucks and can't, you know, and my aunt Jama had a very similar story to me. Um, and so we were able to talk about, you know, the feelings that we had and stuff. So again, I feel lucky that I had someone that understood what I went through. That's so yes. Wow. I never know how to end these, Corey. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. no, I, we are, we are going to wrap it up, but I want to, I want to, you know, say a couple of more things. So to, to summarize, um, pregnancy loss and infertility, uh, I think you said fucking sucks. Um, you need to talk about it to someone who loves you and you love. And, um, what was the other thing that you said? Oh, I don't know. That was like minutes ago I don't know. this is what we do when we get together we just talk yeah. but yeah it, it sucks and it's okay to talk about it and you should find someone that you you can talk to about it if you if you have a person like that in your life please share it with them and if you don't check out Corey. find her talk to her she's great and even though it feels like the loneliest thing in the world i guarantee and promise you are not the only person going through it at that moment. And I think that can be said for most things, but especially if you're around a lot of people who are reproducing and you can't, you feel super alone. You're not, I promise you're not. And if anybody ever tells you, well, just stop trying, it'll happen. It's okay to tell them to fuck off. <laughs> In those precise words. <laughs> Eat a bag of dicks, Karen. That's what you say. <laughs> oh. oh, there is a reason you're my favorite person. <laughs> Ditto. All right. Well, um, we are going to wrap this up, but I have a uh, a little, uh, again, with the words, um, spoiler for our next episode. We have Corey episode part B or two or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Corey is a widow and we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Cause when she says she's been through some shit, she's, she's been through some shit. So Corey, <laughs> that jackass. <laughs> I know that jackass. So Corey, you hold on. I'm going to stop this. Everybody else. Uh, thank you for being here today. Again, just talk about it. Find someone you can talk to and get it out because you be. should I'm go here. through this crap alone. Yeah. So, all right, friends, thank you for joining us for this episode and come back for the next one. Hey, moms, just to remember that I am not a mental health professional. This space is just for creating conversations. If you are in crisis, please call the National Crisis Hotline at 988. If you are in danger, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency department. Talk to you soon.